0: everybody. Welcome to the Better Call Saul Insider Podcast for episode 407, which is entitled Something Stupid. Uh, it's written by Allison Tatlock. It's directed by Deborah Chow. And uh, wow, what a great episode. Uh, I'm Chris McCaleb. And we for one of the uh, we've done it's happened a couple of times in the past, but uh, we're unfortunately not joined by Kelly Dixon today. She sends her regrets. She is, of course, still in New York we're doing a, a rare weekday daytime podcast recording. So we, we she's she's busy. She's working with the director. She's working on a movie. Kelly's a busy person, and uh, so I'm here. I'm I'm alone to captain this ship adrift you're, in the you're, ocean. You're busy, Chris. That that is true. You've been very busy. <laughs> we have been very busy. We just as we're recording this show just premiered two three days ago, uh, and we. All on that same day, uh, finished our cut of the finale of this season four, uh, episode 410, which when, as you're listening to this, you'll be able to see in just a couple of weeks. So we hope you like it. And uh, yes, so let's get to talking about who's here. Uh, you already heard me mention them, but and they're both here. Uh, the writer of this episode, Allison Tatlock.
1: Hello. We're and excited ter- to be here.
0: Oh, yes. We're excited to have you. And, uh, and the director of this episode, Deborah Chow. Nice to be here as well. And uh, um, we have another very special guest. We have executive producer, Melissa Bernstein.
2: Also nice to be here.
0: That's great. And of course, as always, we're joined by co-creators of the show, executive producers, coolest guys in the world, Peter Gould and Vince Gilligan. <laughs> Hello.
3: <laughs> so cool. These are the coolest guys did in you, the world.
0: You, did, did you have that's too much that? to live up to? We're
1: so cool. I know. But is it nice for you guys to be here? You didn't say it was nice to be here. It's, it's always uh, <laughs> nice to
4: be with you, lovely ladies, and, and what a great friggin' episode this is! I, f- I, I only saw it for the first time just a few days ago. Yeah, and, me uh, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Skip it, edited this
0: one. Oh, Skip.
4: Okay, Skip okay, so you guys. Okay, Skip. Uh, Skip did a great job of this thing, and my God, Deborah, you did an amazing job directing. And Allison,
1: this is your first script. You it killed is. it for well, this show. I had a lot of good support. Yeah, my first script for this show. That's This true. is your first oh, yeah. season I, on the show. Yes, this is my first season on the show, and thrilling. And was super excited to work with Deborah. And what a what an amazing team. It was great to watch it on the big screen the other night, and just be surrounded by so many people who helped it come to life.
4: I wish everyone could see it that way. At the big screen you refer to is in the in the in the mixing stage. It's a nice big screen. And it looks so good. And yeah, I just wish everybody could see. And I mean, sounds, I've said and that before, sounds, I'll say it again. It, it sounds,
1: it, sounds it, so good. Yeah. Sounds, so sounds, good. Boy, I'll tell you
3: out there, if you, if you have a chance to listen to the show with uh, all, all the channels and all the surround sound, I think it, it really does add a dimension. It's, 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 it's the sound work. Don't watch this thing
4: on your phone, for God's sake.
3: Well, if you no, it, watch it any way you any way you want. But you're going to get more. <laughs> you're going to get more the the better the better that's the true. viewing conditions. Yeah, that's all yeah, I'm going to yeah,
0: say. Yeah, that's true. But I I, I'm, I don't want to turn anybody off from it. They're watching on the phone. They're watching. So uh, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to go with that. And there's one other person in this room. Who we couldn't do this show without, and that is Joey Reinish. Hey, Joey. Joey. Hey, Joey. Happy to be here. World's
2: okayest brother. (laughs) And By the the way, Joey,
0: Joey
3: co edited episode 408 which is You'll coming up week. very soon. It's, right. a, it's a very, wow, that is a hell of an episode. Next week. And Joey did, Joey really did a wonderful job. Well, thank you. I
5: can't wait to be on uh, the 408 episode of the podcast. You're not going to be on no, that. I'm no, so really? unfortunately, yes, I'm sorry. so sorry. Oh, like we there's were, too many, were, uh, too many people. We don't we're have We're going to be talking
2: about the 407 montage.
4: That's
3: right.
1: <laughs> so what were you on before, Allison? before you came to us? Immediately before this, I was working with the amazing Melissa Bernstein on Halt and Catch Fire. Yay. 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 Also Great an AMC show. joint. Great show great Fantastic people. Shows. And right which before that which one was halt and which one was catch fire? Such a good question. We did debate that sometimes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We had a little bit of a wrestling match about who got to be Halt and who got to be Fire. I feel I was Fire, but then sometimes I was Halt. It's like turn on who? When it got too fiery, I would switch over to Halt. <laughs> That's you know? smart.
0: It's a good cop, bad cop. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you it was need
1: maternal instincts, too. Like, this is just getting too hot in here. We mm-hmm. got to Halt. Yeah, Smart. <laughs> it was
4: a good show. It was at, it's a um, good show. Oh,
1: yeah. Before that, I was on the first season of Stranger Things. Ooh. And then a bunch of Ooh. other stuff before that. And now, very happy to be here.
3: And Allison, Allison is is just, she's a wonderful, we're so lucky to have you uh, on the show. And you've been, been great. It's been a great, great season. Uh, really enjoyed having you in the writer's room, and, and, and the script just came out great. Appreciate so happy you. with this one. Well, I feel very lucky too.
0: Well, and Deborah, this is your first episode of Better Call Saul as well.
1: It is,
5: yeah.
0: That's awesome. How how was it? Uh, had you worked in Albuquerque before?
5: Uh, no, it was the first time. So it was kind of first across the board. I'd worked with uh, Melissa on Shut Eye before, uh, mm. and I'd worked with Marshall, the DP, and uh, Matt, the camera operator. Uh, but pretty much everybody else was
4: new. So
1: it was actually really cool uh, that Deborah had worked with Marshall. Oh, and
5: Judy, I'd worked on Judy uh, with on Jessica Jones. Oh, okay. oh really? Yeah. Judy. Oh,
3: great.
4: Judy, our really production designer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, she's wonderful. So, it's what? Awesome. Tell us about yourself. Uh, b- b- you you have you've had a wonderful career. Tell us about what the movies and, and, and shows and stuff you've directed.
5: Uh, I've been doing uh, kind of a lot of sort of TV shows that I did Lost in Space, uh, Man in the High Castle, Jessica Jones. I was doing sort of a, actually have been doing quite a bit of genre stuff, um, which has been fun. So this was really nice for me actually to kind of step aside and not have to worry about zombies and,
2: and robots. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: um,
5: but what's kind of amazing is you, you know you do these big shows like Lost in Space where you've got robots and everything. Um, but at the end of the day, it kind of is just the story and the performance, sure. and it do, you don't have to spend that much money to have kind of a better, you know, a better episode sometimes.
4: Yeah. And it's and cool. you, you your career started uh, making a, a, a wonderful movie, that you your first movie. I, yeah, yeah, I did.
5: I made uh, a first feature sort of back in the back in Montreal and from Canada originally. Um, which is sort of hard to think about now because it it sort of makes me cringe. <laughs> but I don't I don't know you just see all your mistakes and it's a first. Feature, we all, that's but, all, that's, but
4: yeah, we all do that. But I'm sure, yeah. you know it's a, you're a wonderful director, and then you the the best of the direct the best of it the best uh, folks who are the best are the toughest on themselves. I think so. Yeah. Is, you know you see mistakes no one else is saying. Well, there's, there. I think some people are seeing the mistakes in that oh,
5: movie, but oh, yeah. wow. <laughs> it's okay. But it was, it was great. It was a good experience.
3: I, I think we all have to own our past. You know, that's that's important. I'm doing it, and I'm to prove that I'm doing an interview later today for the special edition of Double Dragon, which is my, that first, is right. my first. Is that pro- true? That's really? my first professional credit, Double wow. Dragon from 1993. Wow. And we're doing, uh, Michael Davis, the other uh, my my writing partner at the time, and I are doing an interview about that. So that's. So, 25
4: years, yes, 25th so anniversary. So everybody
3: out there, no, don't. Did you rewatch it? You know what? Actually, it brings back some fond memories because I loved working with Michael, and it was uh, that was during that production that I first started dating Nora, who's my my wife, and, and so it brings back nice memories of dating and taking her to the set. Uh, taking her to the set and all that, and uh, enough said about it. Double Dragon. Let's, let's,
0: let's, let's <laughs> I want to hear more about. You that. Did I, I got deal. yourself a wife. Out I got, of it. My, I did, I did, wife. I did. That's I think fantastic. I got, I think I
3: got the best, the best deal of anybody on that movie for sure. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Did you were you an extra in it too? Did you get your butt kicked by uh, the Mr. Dra- uh, the Double Dragon? No,
3: no, yeah. I, I I stayed far, far. I was on the set for like a, a, an hour once. That oh, was okay. it. That was it. It was. It's. There's a whole long story. Which, if you're really interested, there's going to be a special edition of of Double Dragon. Apparently, <laughs> get your pre-orders uh, and, and in you'll there. Hear, you'll hear us talk about it. But I, but uh, that's that's the la- that's the last time I'm saying those two words on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> special
0: edition. <laughs> great cuz this is going to be all double dragons this episode <laughs> um, uh, well speaking of double dragons uh this teaser which reading yeah. the script was emotional enough seeing i i i I'm, I'm tearing up thinking about when i watched it the first time skip showed me a version of it and i just sat there on his couch crying i'm, I'm, just I'm legitimately say, tearing up chris actually it's is so tearing so emoti- yeah no it's it's um it's really emotional, and it, it really, it, it 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 so perfectly encapsulates that. I, I mean, if anybody's been through this, when if you're in a relationship that where two people are moving in different directions, and time is passing, and you're watching two people um, kind of grow apart, and I don't know, it was Jesus. Oh. I'm <laughs> I am so moved by I, your I'm, response. I'm, I'm moved by it. it, it it's really. Beautiful. And the the music that plays against yeah. it, well, for I mean, there's, there's a lot to talk about. We could spend the whole episode talking about this teaser yeah. uh, from the, the, the nature of writing a split screen, you know, where that idea came from. And also the music is just it's the whole thing is just so elegant and beautiful Man, and I really love it. Where did the
4: split screen? When did that when did that happen in the writers room?
1: That, that is a good apart? question. I feel that we were talking about how to move through time, mm-hmm. and how to track what had been going on with our two uh, two of our lead characters we love so much, and the best way to. To kind of tell that story, and somehow, in the way that writers' rooms work, uh, the the hive came up with this idea. Maybe it was probably you, Peter. You I, must have said split screen. I'm sure you did. I,
3: I, I don't know. I don't know who said it. I think we, we, the thing that I love about this is every time we think we've run out of ideas for doing a, a montage scene, there's one One more comes up. But the nice thing about this one in particular, I think, is that um, the idea didn't come out of okay let's do a technical trick it came out how do we how do we explore uh the the change in a relationship over time uh and using using and you trying to use cinema to do that and uh for me anyway when we're talking about these montages the big question is how does it start how do you how does it start how do you set up the rules of the montage and how does it how does it end and I just love, boy, I love the way uh, Allison wrote. This is a very tricky. They don't teach you when you go into the um, the book on, on screenplay format. They don't tell you how to sh- <laughs> how to write this. It's it's something that's very hard to put into words, actually. Uh, and and you did such an elegant job of of giving specifics, but also keeping it uh, emotional. And then Deborah translated that into. And we, I've seen this thing. I've seen this montage probably, well, probably a hundred times at this point, roughly. And in the mix, we, <laughs> I couldn't resist because the music. This Lola Marsh, by the way, did the uh, did the rendition of uh, something stupid in the sound mix. I kind of cheated and said, "Let's watch it again and see if there's anything else to say," because I wanted to watch it one more time on the big screen with with all with all the sound, even though we were. Paying you know nine trillion dollars per minute in the sound studio, uh, so that was the probably bad producing, but it, it's I think like um, like Chris, I just love the scene sequence so much, uh, and there's and you know there's it's it's uh, you may think when you watch it if you're a film student, oh well this you know Deborah went out and shot a bunch of stuff and then it was put together. This is so previsualized, you don't get these results. And uh, now one of the things I noticed in the in the in the in the cut is that you would line things up horizontally, like the the mirrors in the bathroom were lined up across a split screen. How did you do that? how did you
5: do that? Yeah, (laughs) Um, That was a lot of help from uh, the camera operators and Marshall, but as it sort of went on, once we started, because we didn't shoot it all in one day, it was shot as we were shooting other scenes, so we'd pick up a piece of it in the morning or the afternoon, so so it's trying to sort of keep our heads together, because we would do one half of the screen and then have to come back three days later and do the other half. at a certain point, as we started getting really down, sort of the OCD rabbit hole of it, <laughs> um, there were a lot of tape measures <laughs> yeah. out. There was, and we were we were actually taking the still from the other one and literally m- matching it to the other one. The camera department, like the operators, were walking back to the previous set to look at the tape marks to wow. exactly the focal length and and whatnot. So it got very precise. Here, but you didn't have on. like
4: a video switcher where you could we toggle didn't. on the on your director's no. monitor. You're you're having to use a tape measure and stuff like that. Wow. Yeah.
5: In retrospect, we, we probably should have. <laughs> um, I don't think, like, we, we kind of started, like, and I knew it was, you know, it was going to be fairly precise to, yeah. to do. Um, but as we went on, but it, it still sort of worked out. But I, yeah. I guess because everybody was so sort of dialed into what we were doing that, you know, you had the same operator doing it two days later. Uh, so he, yeah. you know, he knew when he shot the first one. And our but operators are excellent. They're, they're amazing. They're,
4: uh, yeah, uh, Paul and Matt
5: are Paul just and Matt. Awesome. Excellent. I, I, you yeah, know, I, even
3: even later, I came. I was I wasn't on set for this one, but a couple episodes later, I was back on set, and um, Paul in particular, who is uh, an Englishman, who is, you know, he's he's a little bit just dryly witty, very 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 intelligent. He was still so excited about this sequence, and I think this one of the things. I feel like this. this, One of the things I love about this podcast is that we can talk about this. uh, That you know, you folks tend to think that there are creative people and not creative people on the set, and that so there are jobs that are technical. It's just not true. There's nothing that's technical. These these folks, especially uh, Paul and Matt, are, are so. Well, you just heard Chris start tearing up. Everybody is so emotionally engaged yeah. in what we're doing, and they care so much. And they're all—they're all pulling. And, when, and you can tell you don't put a sequence like this together without having everybody pulling in the same direction. Yeah. And they're all they,
4: storytellers. They are.
3: And by the way, I, they also—I got over and over again how much folks loved working with you.
1: Oh, that's yeah. great. It's we awesome. had a gr- we had a pretty great time. On we did, on set, awesome. us, and it was yeah. so cool that you had worked with Marshall before. So even yeah. though we were new to yeah. the set, the fact that Deborah had these pre-existing relationships and collaborations with with some of the key people um, was was really helpful. And,
2: and it was really yeah. a cross department uh, yeah like ensemble project. The costume department has so much to do. Yeah, we were trying to. It was ten months of time, right? That passed, yes, mm-hmm. which is a huge time jump for this show, even for, actually really for both shows, because we're like in hyper real time uh, as on these shows typically. So uh, we don't, and we don't tend to play up seasons. We don't play, you know, we don't have the Christmas episode or the Thanksgiving <laughs> episode. So this was a funny episode because we're like, okay, in set deck, can we have a poster about a fun run for you know a turkey trot? Like, can we put these like subtle time markers there. Like, can people wear a coat? Can Huell wear shorts? Uh, And all of that um, had a, a great deal of scrutiny. And Deborah put together a costume document, like one I've never seen.
1: How do you describe that, what she I, accomplished? Like I yeah. <laughs> it was like I won this entire
2: It was. It was
1: like a wall of madness <laughs> it, in the form of a PDF. And without it, I don't know what would have happened.
5: <laughs> it's, we, we were getting, like, normally when you're doing a- approvals on costumes, you don't get that many in an episode. And this one was coming back. There's, you know, multiple characters, and sometimes they're doing three changes in one strip, in one-eighth of a page. Um, so it was just getting so much t- to try to keep control of it. Um, And I was hoping to sort of do sort of a visual, see, see sort of a subtle sort of visual movement over the whole course of the montage with the costumes and the color. So I had to end up, the only way I could have it make sense was I had to put everything in the split screen with the costumes. Um, but when I did that, I felt like the response was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> like, like literally, I think I won Nina Nina's heart. Yeah. yeah. From then on, yeah. Like there's yeah.
2: Very <laughs> few people are like even approach Nina Jack, my producing <laughs> colleague, in terms of like detail oriented set decisions. Well, and, you. Like, she was. Yeah. I, she was. Two of you. She yeah. was. We were both. Wildly impressed and grateful, and realized we truly had found the perfect director for this particular episode. Because everybody comes with different strengths, and you would have, I have no doubt, thrived with another one, but this one benefited so much from
1: your uh, helming it. It was. It was like an initiation into a very high-powered club of, of extremely accomplished women. Like, I saw those emails flying in the middle of the night um, back and forth, and Nina was saying, Debra, you're one of us.
4: You're one of us.
0: <laughs> <laughs> one of us. <laughs> one of
6: us. <laughs> so, so wait a minute. So back up. So, yeah. so when
4: you said – so I didn't completely – I'm not completely picturing it. So you, you had the – meaning You beforehand you had the costumes – photos of them arrayed against one another at, yeah. in, a, in, a split, in a split screen. Like a and pre- then visualized. in order,
2: so you're seeing the evolution, gotcha. but you're also seeing how they oppose one another. And then also Ray Seahorn to her great credit is like this woman doesn't have a thousand new costumes either. Like she's a real working woman yeah, who does yeah. not have time to shop. Yeah. So we have to see some repeats and we have to see some things that, you know, she's worn in other episodes. Yeah. So, you know, not losing sight of that either.
4: Yeah. It, uh, talk about the framing. Cause you're not framing for 16 by nine when you're framing half a screen, you're framing eight by nine. So how did you, how did you work that out? How does that, how does that work?
5: Um, it was totally different, and it uh-huh. was you know it's a it was a challenge uh, to start thinking you know and I, I Marshall was really generous with his time and we met on a Saturday and had lunch together and kind of went over it, um, and I you have to start thinking about blocking differently yeah. because you've only got half a screen and the other thing is um, it's it's also trying to balance that if one side has got a ton of activity you want to slow mm-hmm. down the other side because your eye can't you, you have yeah. to look between the two sides right, all the time Mart. Um, so wow. it was trying to like. Uh, sort of balance those two things uh, it got tricky like say the tape the there's a piece where they're at a board table and then it looks down and Ray's got this uh, exercise ball that yeah. she's clutching that had four people in it and that was a bit of like became a bit of a family portrait to try yeah. to get everybody on half the sure, screen sure. but it was it was definitely a challenge but that's what made it interesting and that's with, another great moment yeah. too because yeah. the,
3: that exercise ball is green and yeah. across the screen on the other side there's Jimmy in a green tracksuit. yeah it's just it's beautiful <laughs>
5: Yeah, that's why color with the costumes it becomes so
1: significant yeah, because yeah. you know you're really looking at the two for a correlation. Yeah. And there was a shift, a costume palette shift, I think, throughout yeah. that you had planned also. I, I need to watch this.
4: I've seen it now four or five times. I need to see it many, many more. I think that the folks listening to this will will agree with this. This is this is one definitely for the DVR where you watch it over and over again because there's so much to see, so much to register and look at. So so like uh, on the monitor, you tape off the sides, and then you're just uh, and you're just looking at the. You put pieces of paper on each side, so you're only looking at the center. Or is that how you frame? For that, um, Or not the center. Yeah. You're, you're framing. I guess you're framing left and right. right? We
5: actually, the, these guys actually came up uh, editorial, and Peter came up with a great idea for us, which was frame it in the center. Okay. So then, if then you, you wanted to, you could yeah. move it. Because yeah. if we frame for just one on one side, then we're really locked then you're in. you're stuck. In on pixel left by or pixel. Right? Yeah. Exactly. One that of the great sense. joys
1: of the whole process for me was watching the montage with Peter for the first time because we had worked so hard. It was so challenging to articulate it and a little intimidating for me as my very first run at the show of trying to articulate the various, not just the montage itself, what was we on the left, on the right, but also that we cross the line sometimes, so trying to articulate that, that yeah. people move into the different panel. So worked so hard on that and then watching it come to life on set and feeling so grateful for Deborah and Marshall and Nina and everybody, Melissa, who made it happen, and then coming back here and thinking, oh, God, I hope it flies, I hope it plays, and sitting down to watch it. And Peter was shouting "Oh with, yeah!" with well, joy. Well,
3: <laughs> I'm – That's fine. Yeah, I have to – you have to enjoy, <laughs> have to it. enjoy it when yeah. something works. Yes. Uh, yeah. God knows it doesn't happen every day. Right. And, and this was uh, – you know, it was a gamble, uh, I think, for all of us, uh, just creatively because it, there's no uh, – it's not like this is this isn't like out of the f- television playbook. You do one of these. It's something we had that we figured out. That this is the way to tell the story, and then we don't know for sure it's going to work. We yeah. just don't, and it, and uh, that's that, I, that that happens all the time during the season. I, and I guess maybe if there's a difference for me personally, it's that as we've gone on on Breaking Bad and on this show, I felt bolder about just swinging for the fences sometimes because the people were working the the team is so great yeah. and also i think it energizes everybody to try to do something different and to try to still this actually is one of the reasons it's it's interesting i was very interested when i started out in in uh, genre i'm still interested in genre things um things where you're creating a whole new world but the problem with that is if you're using all your cinematic energy on creating your world, on creating uh, your world of dragons or your world of, you know whatever whatever fictional world you're creating, you can't really use, it's weird. you don't get to use your cinematic energy on how the story's told. It's like you you know, you have to, you know you couldn't, this this kind of sequence, I've never—maybe it will be. Maybe they will do a sequence like this someday in a Game of Thrones. But usually it's that you use your cinematic energy creating the world of castles or the world world of robots or whatever, and you don't get a chance to—what I find so exciting about what we can do is we can use our cinematic mojo to tell a story that's very grounded and that's very much about the way we live. Uh, And so that's, that's, it's, it's just a different, it's just
0: a, it's, it's a different emphasis, but it's, it's, um, uh, I I find it, I find it real exciting. Well, I'd say you even started doing that in the first season of this show. With uh, oh, the yeah. finale, with that that is it. Vorkapitch? pitch but there was that. But then there was also so that's a, a crazy there's, stylistic, there's also cinematic choice. There was that, and there was the breadsticks,
3: the breadsticks, okay. and I mean, yeah, oh, I mean yeah. we're we're, we're uh, we, we've been we've had a, we we got movie t- fun.
4: I gotta tell you though, uh, I've you know reading all those, being a part of those, more of an active part of those earlier episodes. This one, when I read this teaser, I thought. I mean, it's very well written. Uh, Obviously, the whole script is very well written. Then the teaser is very well written. But it's 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 as you said. Had you put it on pay on the paper, I remember thinking, "Oh my God, I am so glad I don't have to direct (laughs) this. This is just like this is just like Oh my God." I I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm I, seriously, because I, just because it's what a magilla this thing must have been. How many uh, I was asking you this, uh, Melissa, how many days? It, it just was spread out into yeah. quite
2: a few days just because it took place on a lot of different locations. We're in the courthouse. We're in Kim's apartment. We're at, at Schweikert and Coakley. So we don't have the time on a episodic what, schedule yeah, yeah. to just, you know, do this. Like in order, we have to take our opportunities when we're in those
4: locations to get these. This is a triumph of scheduling, too. Um, Which, by the way, just to
2: mention, Doug Carter, who's our AD on this. This is his second episode of the show. He was also on *Halt and Catch Fire* with Allison and I. And he he was he his first episode was five. He was still directing. He was still ADing that with um, Michael Morris. And then we had to hand him this script while he's still working (laughs) and say. Can you help us number the scenes? Like, I mean, it was just insane. It was yeah. like an insane assignment to give him for his second episode. Yeah, he did will, an
1: amazing job.
3: I will say for the, for the writers listening, the one trick that we used that I think helped us, you tell me if it helped us or not, is we tried to limit the locations to ones that we were using already in the episode. And we also did, there were a few other things in the that we tried to think about, like, for instance, stealing the shots of Jimmy throwing the ball from another episode, which was, you know, something that we'd planned. So we, we even though we come up with these crazy ideas in the writer's room, we try we try to make some effort at at at, at least a gesture towards shootability. Can we talk oh go ahead?
5: Oh, I was just gonna say, I think actually the biggest challenge in terms of the scheduling was Ray's cast. Um, because we would do something, because we we're doing ten months of time, say there's a, a little piece where Ray is dictating to herself in her office, um, and she has to walk. She walks across the three three times, but she has a cast on in the first one and not in the other two. Um. So, and we needed a lock off on the camera, <laughs> so we'd have to lock off the camera, and the cast was a. Quite a deal. Uh, <laughs> <'Cause> it, <laughs> so that was the biggest challenge yeah. with Doug and I for the schedule. Right, it with
4: didn't because it was a, like a real cast, right? It didn't come on. It and was off a real easily. cast. Yeah. Jesus.
2: She's taking. She, it took her an hour and a half
4: in the morning to what? deal with. that
2: She's like, a cast. method yeah. actor. She really real broke cast.
0: her arm <laughs> for the, that car crash.
4: Could it not have been just ask it? Could it not have been a, a we, just looked it, we looked at
2: every way, yeah. and it was not like aesthetically it pleasing. It just didn't look like there were a couple. We could hide it. There were sheets we could hide it in. In one scene. Yeah, yeah, we used it like,
1: fake we one. We did it once. Yeah. 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 Uh, but- I had
0: no idea that was a real cast. Oh yeah. yeah, and even incredible. when you
5: cut it off, she wasn't ready immediately because the sometimes it would pucker the skin and whatnot. So it was quite. a And then she'd be, you know, because of the seasons and the costumes. So the cast was our biggest challenge. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually thought know? we were going
2: to have like an Anna Gunn after on Breaking Bad when we she finally got to have that baby. Yeah. Like she took that belly and like she be, she was like ah death to the belly. Yeah. <laughs> like she was finally free. Literally burned it in the parking I, lot like, or something. I yeah. I wanted to have a like death to this cast party because <laughs> yeah. I was just so we were. Were so over, like, planning around it, and Ray was somehow like never complained.
1: It's and a cast party, a
2: different <laughs> party.
3: Cast party. <laughs> yeah. We, I would have never guessed that she would still have the cast more than halfway through the season. Mm-hmm. It's it's it was shocking.
4: And then, one, uh, we should talk a little bit about the music that definitely, the, yeah. The I mean, for the the, the song, the, it was, it's an it's an Israeli band.
3: This Lola, Ma- of course, this is a this, this something stupid is a song, and we, we this is not the only song we ever thought of. Uh, we had a couple of options, but this is what um, uh, something stupid we used the uh, of course that's made famous by uh, Frank and Nancy Sinatra, and that was the that was the song that Deborah used in her her cut, uh, and and it really had a great feeling to it, but it was too short. Believe it or not, the song was too short. So we, we decided we really liked the tone of the song and the feel of the song and uh, the fact it was a duet. There were a lot, of, a lot of things that we really liked about it. And so um, Thomas Goblevick went and solicited uh, some wonderful musicians, and uh, Lola Marsh is, 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 is the name of the Which band. Which is not
4: an actual person. It's, no one is named Lola or Marsh. Apparently it's a, it's a, it's a couple, right?
3: No, yeah, they're, they're cousins to Blondie. Uh, and, and yes it's yeah Lola Marsh and they they just they did a wonderful wonderful job they did a demo for us and then uh, there were a few little things And one of the things that we looked for in the version that is that it changes because if it's if, if it's just if it's just a rep- the repetitive, lyrics it, it made the sequence feel long and what lola marsh did so wonderfully was they created a sense of movement through the song so that the instruments the instrumentation changes the you know which which vocal takes the lead changes and and by the way um in the mix yeah, uh, it, it sounded it sounded yeah. just incredible usually when we mix uh music we put it mostly through the center speakers because Uh, it, 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 it seems to interfere with the sound effects if you put it in the surrounds a lot. So it mostly goes in the center, but because the music was taking the lead here, it spread throughout the theater and it just it sounded amazing it and really the male the singers off there.
4: to the to the right and yes. the female singers off to the left because right. you've got two different uh, halves of the screen that's yeah. right
3: It's a, wow. this, is, this sequence is made for stereo yeah. you I, know but I do feel like Chris I'm not I'm not telling you your job but I feel like we should talk about something other than the first five minutes well, of the show yeah,
0: I agree also I'm, I'm hoping we wanted to get Thomas Gullivich here we couldn't today but I, if if you're hearing me say this right now hopefully I'm able to like drop in a little something from Thomas about how that song came together. And just like that, we've been transported to a different time and place and I've got, Music supervisor, Thomas Golubich. Hello, Chris. How are you? I'm good. How do you pronounce your name? Because we have competing ways of pronouncing your name.
6: I think... How do you pronounce it? I think members of my family have competing ways of pronouncing it. Um, That's that's good to hear, then. My my dad uh, had gone by Golubich simply because when he came to the United States from former Yugoslavia, he no one could pronounce golobich and the letter has a little accent on it so he just became professor Golubich, okay which i never loved and always felt weird with so when i found out that the correct pronunciation is golobich with the pronunciation on the g so it's golobich you kind of you, you you stumble into the name golobich uh, golobich yeah golobich yeah exactly so we're good we're totally good we don't
0: have to say Golubich or no, golubiche no 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 we don't have okay. to add all those That's good.
6: yeah golobich I mean, the word bitch is in there, so that kind of adds some fun to thing. Yeah, bitch. <laughs> it, and keeping it
0: in Breaking Bad. Uh, parlance. Yes. We wanted to have you come talk, because we, well, while we're, as people are listening, we're right in the middle of a conversation about 407. Mm. And uh, we've been talking, we talked about that teaser for a, about a half an hour. <laughs> An astonishing uh, teaser. It's it's fantastic, and I just wanted to talk to you a bit about how the sort of the genesis of how that music
6: came to exist. Well, it it, it certainly went through a number of uh, of changes and shifts. Um, one of the the best things about our show is is how collaborative it is, and how everybody. Kind of works together to get to the right answer, and we tried several different avenues um, in editorial. So when we started seeing the cut, there were already ideas that had been fleshed out. You know, one of them was uh, Lou Reed and the song "Perfect Day." Which is a oh, yeah. beautiful, beautiful song, but it was used in train spotting. And I always have this. It, it was also used in uh, Fear the Walking
0: Dead yeah. in an episode oh, that I really? cut. Oh, dear God.
6: <laughs> Hence the reason that it made it in there. Ah, the picture gets bigger now. I,
0: I'll tell you, I wish I could take credit for that. Phil McLaughlin, who was my assistant at the time and is now an editor, uh, that was his suggestion. And I loved it. And the showrunner's like, Lou Reed's my favorite. So it's perfect.
6: It's Look, it's an incredible song. But it's and been used a lot. It's been used a lot. And and not to say that it, it shouldn't be used again. And this is always that difficulty. It's like, you know, for every great use of a song, do we now retire that song? And it cannot have it. And right. there's another sequence this season, which has a song that was used prominently elsewhere. And it was so hard because, and I don't, I don't, I don't know, I'm sure where we are in the line of things, but I, I won't mention We're the song seven. yet. OK, so I'll, I'll leave the song itself out, but there's a, a montage that has a song that was used prominently in another in, in a film. And I pitched it really uncomfortably, like I really didn't want to include it. Um, and it was one of those things where it just works so well that it was kind of like, OK, do we let the music be a beautiful moment or do we are we cerebral about it and say we're not going to use the song because somebody out there will notice it was used elsewhere and we may look like we're somehow stealing someone else's idea the idea came completely naturally i just landed on it and it was only when it was like i was informed that it was like used in another film i was like oh my god and then i looked at the sequence and i thought oh god it's a really big use too and i completely had forgotten about it but that happens, so sometimes you just land on an idea, and we end up sticking with it. With this one, I think that we had two competing ideas that were in the, the finale. It was sort of the Lou Reed Perfect Day, and it was Something Stupid by Frank Sinatra and Nancy Sinatra. Right. And that song is in and of itself incredibly creepy because it's a love song, sung, romantic love song, sung between a father and daughter, <laughs> which somehow seemed like a good idea back then. Um, it was a different time. Different time, exactly. But anyway, it, it's it's one of those things that the song has a real magic to it. I mean, it has yeah. a, an energy and a swing, and it's uh, and you know, and Frank's voice is one of the most charismatic voices of the 20th century. So, it is really hard to find a way to replicate it. So. When we were trying different ideas out, we had thrown a lot of different ideas at it, and and Peter had responded to some more than others, but he kept coming back to something stupid, this Mm -hmm. this incredible song. And we realized that we had a lot of problems on our hands. Number one, the song is only two minutes and something, and the montage is, of course, much longer. And the song is uh, incredibly expensive. So when we got the quote, it was just astronomical. And we were already in budget problems this season. So it was like, oh, God, we're not going to add this to it. Well,
0: because as a music supervisor, in addition to the job of of creatively suggesting and finding, you know, perfect matches for these scenes, you're also charged with keeping on budget and making these deals with the labels and the artists and
6: there's so many factors to it and right. and and you know we have this interesting situation we have to figure out how we can do this and then to add more complexity to the situation that was done with a, uh, an orchestra, uh, an orchestra that was a union orchestra. That ah. meant that there are union reuse fees, which oh. can be astronomical.
0: Because everybody has to, all the uh, everybody the gets paid, and if you have which a is big great, group, for which is musicians, great for musicians, but very difficult on a budget.
6: Totally. So you can't go in and say, "Oh, we'll we'll clear this song for this amount of money," and not know that you're going to have maybe that number and double showing up later on <sighs> when you get those fees back. Okay. So you're perpetually in this really awkward spot as a music supervisor. We are trying to figure out, how can I have an idea that really works well? How can I think through all the potential economic ramifications of it? Where does it fit into the fabric of the show? How does it kind of move our story forward? So we ended up with the conclusion of we should build something from scratch. And that's what we did. And how did you
0: do that? How did you find Lola Marsh? How did that... I mean, you know, you're... I, I've said this to you many times, that you're... Your the breadth and depth of knowledge that you have of music, combined with just exceptional taste. I don't I don't understand how you know all of these things that are going on in every different genre. But so how do you come
6: to Lola Marsh, or how do they come to you? Sometimes they come to you, which mm-hmm. is exactly right. I, I think in this situation. We had a few challenges. One of them is we had time. We had only, I think, two weeks before we knew that we were gonna be locking picture, which meant that wow. we had to have a song that we knew was going to be adjusted to picture, and it had to happen in two weeks. So. And also we had a problem in that um, the rules that Sony has for ownership means that they have to own the song in the end, which means that it's a work for hire. So any artist who's on there needs to know that we're gonna pay them a fee, but they will not own the song. Right. And that song can then be sold to another catalog sometime down the road. They don't have any control over it anymore. That means almost every <sighs> major label, any major publisher will say, absolutely not, you're not allowed to do that. So we ended up really having limited options as far as where we could go. We decided to go broad and just see what came back to us. So we reached out to a number of colleagues and gave them a very detailed brief, um, gave them as much information as we could about the, the context of it and had people come back. We gave them a BPM because we knew roughly what the tempo of the original was. We knew that we wanted to have a duet and we knew that we wanted to have that song covered and we knew that we were gonna go from two and a half minutes to about five minutes. So the trick was saying, okay, here is your here is your here is your instruction. Come back with a demo.
0: Your mission, should you your choose mission. to accept
6: it exactly. And we got a lot back. And I would say there were a few that were really fantastic, and then there were a few that were really special. And we had fourteen that we felt were special in different ways. Holy shit! So we narrowed down those fourteen, and then we presented that and production. You know, to their credit, and you were part of this. Um, it was a very uh, it, it was a very interesting process of going through it, and there was so much time that went into listening and the care with the consideration of what we liked and didn't like about it. I kept copious notes throughout, because I knew that if there was comments brought up like, oh, I wish they hadn't used the xylophone, I would mark that and go back to that artist if we gave them the green light. So the trick of it was getting very detailed notes, and we narrowed it down to two, and those two artists were essentially both given the green light to continue and finish it up with about a week and a half time period. And they and I, <clears throat> I did I did very long Skype session with both of them. The Lola Marsh Skype session, which went on for uh, several hours.
4: Whoa! And they were they <laughs> had
6: just finished up a show in Israel. They're from Israel. Okay. They had just finished a show in Tel Aviv. They had come back to their apartment, and they did this Skype session, which they think they thought would be like five minutes or so. And to their great credit, we went through every bar of that song and what we liked and what we thought was working and what we could do to, to punch it up and add other elements and how the vocals were working and and then we kind of went through the technical aspects of making sure that we had splits on every single instrument so we had options on the stage there were so many details to it and they were so enjoyable i mean for people who had literally performed and it was four in the morning their time they were wonderful and we had such a great collaboration on that and then when we got the piece back, it really had reflected everything we talked about. Like they clearly took very clear notes and it was a really successful mission. And that is the one that we ended up with.
0: And it, it, it's a, it's beautiful. And I, I can't possibly imagine a different piece of music there or even a different version. It, it's, it's just so, it's just so perfect. What an insane journey when you watch it, you just, it all just feels like that's how it was supposed to be. And oh, they found this song, but it, that's, that's, well, that's an incredible amount of work that
6: that you and everybody put into that. And uh, it definitely pays off. I think the the wonderful thing about our show and I think about any type of art is that it is an enormous amount of effort to make it look easy. Yeah. And when it looks easy, (laughs) it feels wonderful. And when it looks hard, like there were too many competing ideas to try to make something work, it loses some of the luster and some of the magic. And what's so nice about the way that song fits, and I remember sitting on the stage and we were playing it back, it's just so beautiful and it, and it's just the, the, the charm of each of their voices, the, the surges of enthusiasm in the instrumentation, the hand quality of just the way the instruments are played. It's really special and it's really unique and I have to give them such huge respect and huge respect for the other band who I don't want to mention right now but who are also in the running and did a very different interpretation that was really beautiful. And we, it was very hard to make that decision. And I think the in the end result, the, the Lola Marsh one was the one that we went forward with. But that other one is beautiful. And hopefully someday we'll find a home for that, too. Wait, I, oh, I need
1: to essay to correct something. Not correct, but add to something. Because I forgot to mention when we were speaking of Halt and Catch Fire that Chris also worked on Halt and Catch that Fire. That is so true. thank you for uh, that, Chris.
0: That, oh, absolutely. I love that show. And I loved working on it and uh we loved having you work on it um but but let's get into it uh halt and catch fire season four (laughs) (laughs) Um, no yeah there there are so many other things we can talk about (laughs) can
3: we just i just mentioned though that that there's one person who brought all most of us in this room together and her name is melissa bernstein i know i know i wouldn't have been on breaking bad without melissa bernstein and she brought Basically, everybody at this table except for Joey. Except for Joey. Except for Joey. Joey. Uh, Sorry, Joey. (laughs) And And I'll be shining out on this for the rest of my life. But (laughs) Melissa Bernstein, Bernstein, um, somebody will write her biography someday. That's all I'm going to say.
4: That would be a good one. I will read that.
3: Or she will write a self help book, one of the two.
4: (laughs) She's going to be running Hollywood any minute now. Thank you, Melissa. The Better Call so, Saul is more challenging. So, <laughs> <laughs> I like that. So we talk so much about this teaser because it deserves it. As a segue, I would say the other thing, when I read this script, I thought to make this teaser work as well as it needs to work, they're going to have to put all their energy into the teaser, and there's going to be nothing left over for the rest of the episode. The rest of the, I, I, this is, I, I'm just saying this now because it so did not happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, just, the rest of this episode is just killer.
0: Oh yeah! I mean, this is
4: like such a every moment of this. I want to. I want to. What that? There's that great cut you have, the Magic <laughs> Man cut. Talk about that when he's oh, he's yeah. talking to Huel, Where uh, Jimmy's talking to Huel on the bench.
1: This is a Deborah Chap special. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I uh, love this actually cut. Scripted this it, way.
5: It wasn't scripted this way, but actually, what happened is we were the scene with Huel and Jimmy was scripted to be outside, and we were supposed to go outside. We tried to go outside, but it was so windy and there were threats of lightning. Um, that we had no choice but to bring it inside. So we ended up in a hallway. Um, so it was kind of just one of those serendipitous things. And then um, we were, you know, we they, we had them on the bench and we sort of framed up this frontal shot. And there was just something about that shot. And Allison felt it too. She came over to tell me as well. It it was amazing. Like, I don't know what it was. It was that weird combination of humor and the two of them and was amazing and, and both of them. Um, and so we had shot that first. So then when we came to the next one, I was like, because we needed the, the uh, Schweikert and Co- Coakley logo, it made sense to kind of do it. So I was like, "Oh, let's just match it," um, and I wasn't sure actually it would end up in the cut because it wasn't really exactly as scripted. Um, but it was just such a funny cut that yeah. I just we just did it. How <laughs> did you end was uh, it with the I tape measure? And and yeah, how did you, you match did it so yeah. perfectly? No, it was it so good. the reason it was again. I was. Uh, you know it was Matt it was the camera operator okay. because he he lined up the first one for me and we had this whole discussion about I mean this is where you get into the OCD stuff again but with the two of them there's this little white sort of box on the wall and we kept going should we frame it in should we frame it out and it was like this big um, and so, he, so we'd gone so over that with the other scene that by the time we came to the next and I was like Matt can we match that we were just so tiled into wow. to knowing exactly what we'd done on the other
4: one but and really it's again camera operators of- for matching oh yeah and did you try to get Bob to turn his head like on the on the one at Schweitzer Coakley a certain way to make the match cut work even better? Were you thinking of that too? And
5: I didn't, no, I didn't get that precise. Okay. like that was just good fortune. Oh, wow. uh, so it, that one was just a that one is a lot of serendipity because that one was not really planned. It just kind of happened. Damn,
3: it's, it's it's such a perfect cut because there's yeah. Jimmy saying, "I'm I can handle this. Oh, so, no problem." And then the first thing he does is run to his girlfriend, um, and it's it's just it's just wonderful. And he looks yeah. he's uh, and Bob, by the way, is great in this episode. Of course, he's and he has he has some really interesting challenges, like the direct address to the camera, which I think I think was uh, I, th- I think that that was that was it's it's such a different way of acting that I think it took him back. Well, I talked to him about it later, and I think it took him back. He was he was concerned that it was going to take him back to a Mr. Show sketch where he'd be direct addressing, but he does not. He is he's. I, you guys worked it out and he is he is great and he's it's, so vulnerable it's, he's yeah. so vulnerable Beautiful. he's so nervous about Kim potentially liking this office and this, this
0: it's him in his office my god Lavelle couldn't be a better counterpoint to that That's, <laughs> yeah. he is so great in this episode yeah. if this is the most up to this point that we've Seen from Huel, right? This is the most time we've really mm. spent with Huel. More Lavelle Crawford. That's yeah. all I can yeah. say.
4: Is that a Warner? That whole thing's a Warner, right? It Dude. was it was
5: a Warner, yeah. Wow. And it was scripted as a Warner. So yeah. it very much came directly from Allison and Peter. Wow. Is, it's it. a beautiful shot. Is yeah. it is a steady cam? It's a steady cam, yeah. Ooh. But it was if you see some of the outtakes on it, you'll see Paul like hit the door frame about seven yeah. times ah. trying to get through yeah. that. How office. many takes was it? Cuz it was a one or Oof, it was quite a few. Um I think we probably were 10 or 11. Wow. Yeah. And the, out of that there was it was really only like the last two that were sort of usable. Um, but it was it, in a location that was It was tight. in a real location <laughs> oh, it it's was a, tight. It was an amazing shot. It was yeah. there was like a couple one particular turn that was very hard to get the steady cam and the operator through. Wow. Um, so, and Paul was amazing. Yeah. And actually the one that I think I don't actually I'm not sure which one ended up in the cut but um, one of the ones that was the best take. Paul, at some point near the end of it, as he was coming down, had lost um, sight and he couldn't see. Something had happened technically, so he couldn't see what he was shooting, oh uh, and he just kept going with it because he'd wow. done it so many times wow. on muscle memory. That's and he crazy. framed it. Oh, like it the monitor crapped out. Yeah, yeah and yeah. If, if there's like a, a point when he comes down the hallway and he brings swings into this fifty-fifty with the two of them, and he did it perfectly wow. without being able to
4: see that. it. He's yeah. a man. Paul's a man. Yeah. By the way, has anyone at this table ever had a Steadicam on?
1: Heavy, right? It it's so, beyond. It's it it it's so it's a torture device. Yeah. <laughs> I,
4: I had one on for 10 minutes one time in between setups. It was, a, it was a, one of the Breaking Bad episodes I was directing, and they said, hey, you want to try this on? The, the vest they had didn't fit me. It was too tight. That's a, I, I imagine the vest could be more comfortable. But you put that thing on, and suddenly you were constantly falling forward. Right. And your back, you just feel it in your lower back. And I don't have a very strong back to begin with, but you just, it, it's like a torture device. Yeah, and Doing 10 of those uh, takes, with that it's a – you got to be a glutton for punishment to be a, a steady cam operator. But man, he is so good. Uh, God bless him for uh, all the steady cam operators for doing that job cuz that job sucks. It, <laughs> Let me was, tell it you. looked
1: really challenging and and it was one of the first things we shot. I think it was the second scene that we shot of the whole episode, and of course Bob had to do it over and over and over and over again all the way through. So exhausting, and 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 yet, or perhaps because, I don't know, he felt, and we agreed, that it got stronger and stronger and more vulnerable, as Melissa said, and sort of more open. Um, he he preferred the later takes, and, and he was right. Yeah, and I love your little, I uh, love how you guys roll
4: with it, because I, I ask, uh, he points out the window and says, oh, you got the cherry blossoms out the window?
1: And I, I said, would you guys put those in? And Allison, you said... Uh, I said, no, they were there, so we changed the script. To We added the line yeah, to acknowledge uh, yeah, the, the actual surroundings. Bob also wanted a, a, a little bit of, of legal uh, language when in the moment when he looks into the mm-hmm. bathroom. He requested that, and I thought, oh my God, it's in my second scene on my first day, and I don't know how to write legal language. So I called the office where at one of our amazing Brilliant assistance. Mallory has gone to law school, and she, on the spot, gave me just like a little bit of of legal ease, which I ran back onto the set and fed to him, and he loved it, and he threw it in there, and that was nice. great. That's I hope that's okay to say. Yes, yeah, oh, that's, <laughs> that's credit that's to her. Yeah,
0: okay. It's a t- it's a team effort over right? here. Right, absolutely. Definitely... I was
1: so grateful to her. I sent her an email. I said, "You saved the day. Thank yeah, you." That's,
3: Mallory, Mallory was. Inc- we were very, very lucky to have Mallory on for. Uh, for a, a chunk of this season, and she has gone on, and she is now staffed on a TV show. What as, show? As what, she show what show is? What show is she it's writing? It's a on?
2: brand new show. Mike.
0: Mike, you, you know what drop. it is, right? Come on, it's the enemy within. That's right.
2: Bears have very good
0: memories. Yeah. Oh. Thank you. Yeah. Occasionally
4: he it. kills and eats a PA, but other than that's that, that's true. It,
0: but you know what? That's the risk you run well, yeah, uh, yeah. for, for uh, that kind well, of perfection.
4: The sacrifices we make for our art. Well, <laughs> no and,
0: I mean, and to your point, Vince, you were saying earlier about not starving the rest of the episode, not, you know, as far as resources going into the teaser. Yeah. We also have the introduction of the Super Lab, yeah, or or the the Super Lab excavation site.
1: I call it the Uber
0: Lab. Extraordinary, (laughs) (laughs) just incredible. Where did you
4: guys find a hole in the ground that big? Yeah, we just dug
2: it. Really good location scouting. Yeah.
0: In all seriousness, this
3: is. I just have to give a big shout out to uh, Judy Reed, our production designer, but also Steve Brown. The construction coordinator, Paul DeSanto, our uh, art director, and just—I and, mean—and also a construction crew that had to build this thing. This is, this is—I uh, don't know if it was—you it, know—it it would be interesting to know. It was not built very far from the spot of the uh, Breaking Bad Super lab. Mm, true. It was—it was within within uh, within. Within several dozen feet, I believe, of the Breaking Bad super lab,
2: and and also uh, Marshall and Steve Litecki, So yes. much of the magic is in the lighting of that particular set, too. Yeah, uh, it's a real uh, effort. A fun thing.
3: A fun department. thing that was done. That Marshall Marshall had the idea because we we were talking about how should this thing look? What What's the feel here? We always refer back. To uh, two thousand one, a space odyssey, the uh, the moon sequence where they they uncover t- uh, Tycho uh, magnetic anomaly one, TMA one. God, And it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful, wonderful scene. It was one of the first scenes that was shot in two thousand one, a space odyssey, and then they they held the negative for a year, and then they. Uh, then the matte painting was added. I'm sorry, I'm getting <laughs> off on the 2001 nerdery here, but uh, but we were we loved the way that the uh, the lights looked and the and the different kinds of reflections. And Marshall had the idea of shooting the scene with um, with anamorphic lenses. Uh, an anamorphic, you know what? You should just wiki Wikipedia it. What I a, did. What an anamorphic <laughs> lens is? It's it enables you to take a uh, make a uh, have a wide screen image. Uh, on a square piece of uh, from a more or less square piece of film and uh, it's uh, it, it, it's it's optically these lenses are very complicated and they have very they have wonderful uh, flares that come out of the inside uh, very organic interesting looking flares uh, the, the other movie I always think of with this is uh, Close Encounters uh, it's
2: otherworldly uh, it's
3: otherworldly and so we uh, you guys shot that sequence with anamorphic lenses and uh, with the flares, and it's it's just, it's a it's a it's a wonderful uh, wonderful scene that was of course shot in several different locations because you were at the, the laundry and you were at our super lab set, but then there's also talk. Can you, there's also a a little transitional set which is where the, the actual yeah. hatch is. Yeah,
2: we called it the landing, but it, yeah, it's for the, because you can't uh, shoot both directions in the set, so this allowed you to shoot down, so you could see the super lab and, and through the hatch. Uh, Deborah, though, the, and then there's the layer surrounding the hatch, which was like another Deborah Chow special. Like, <laughs> I, I think that was even surprised. That's better. the visqueen, That's the, visqueen yeah.
3: the plastic. Yeah. And it looks amazing.
5: <laughs> yeah, it was it was a pretty, a little bit of a elaborate process to get them down. But once they got down, it looked it, pretty amazing. It's
3: wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, it, it looks awesome. It's, it's wonderful. Because there's
2: layer after layer of this queen kind of creating this channel and this yeah. light. And, with yeah.
3: the, and the, the, the little lights on there, the lights, the lights on, were, the, uh, yeah. on the helmets. It's just, it's, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I just love this sequence.
1: It really looks otherworldly. I love this
3: sequence. and uh, And then, of course, you had pretty soon after... Just because we hadn't given enough to you, you also had an accident that had to happen. Oh uh, yeah! With, the, with that with that front loader, oh, yeah, uh, that right. little front loader right. backing into the the
0: pillar. I I, I don't know. I can't I, even. I, this, I can't
3: even conceive how no. much
0: stuff is in this episode. Yeah, and reading that in the script too, I was like, how are they going to do that? I was they, scared too. How did you do that?
1: Well, go ahead. So it looks we, great. When we had to do a test and we had a camera on the beam, right? Uh, what you say.
5: We did. It. it actually went really smoothly, which is def- definitely a testament to special effects and all the departments that put it together. Um, but it is, you know, you're seeing it. It's like a giant beam that crashed down <laughs> and smashed a bunch of stuff. Wow. Um, but we did um, because we knew, you know, limit. You know, we were going to be limited in how many times we could do that in time. Um, when we did the test, actually, we put a camera on the beam, which is what you're you're seeing. You know, when it's it's going down with it. Um, And then the rest of it, it was just sort of cameras on the day. But the first take kind of did it for us. Um, which was good because we didn't have a ton of time <laughs> we were running out of time we that really night out of time. were there they t- stuntmen
4: uh, standing yeah. around or were they the actors uh, no
5: it was there was it,
1: one stunt guy driving the, the was, little tractor yeah one yeah.
5: stunt guy was uh, driving but everybody else was the real actors um, and they were very game actually it was it was hard for us to keep them away from it yeah. so we kept going you know not don't, don't keep stop running in stop we're trying good to get close to it they were really That's into it all the Germans were definitely very into it so long? wonderful ensemble of guys yeah. Yeah. We, Bunch and, of guys and,
3: and you know uh, I, I'm not to single any of them out right now but we'll, we'll talk some more about them in another episode I think sure. we might
4: see them in another episode?
3: Well, we've seen them. This is not their first episode, of course. That's right. Uh, That's right. Yeah. We're we're I, I'm disclosing a terrible secret, which is that we're uh, we're recording these out of order. So there you go. Oh, I think yeah. I, I think everyone figured. You know, that we'll out just right. sk- maybe we'll sk- Maybe this part will just be a will just be a big omit. What do you say, Joey? Did, did, no, Joey's this is when we to should say, say
4: everything inappropriate. Right no, now. I think it's good to let folks know that. Well, whatever. Yeah. Hey, so did uh, uh, Deborah and Allison? Did you ever get to drive the Bobcat yourself?
1: No, they wouldn't even they like let the actor drive wow.
4: the bomb. Seriously? Yeah. yeah. I, would have said I want to ride that thing to work. We had to do a cowboy switcheroo. We did do yeah. it. We did oh. a cowboy. Yeah, in the middle Really? The right in the middle of the take, yeah. take? One guy gets out and the
5: other yeah. Guy gets Yeah. yeah. So we had the stunt guy. He start, sort of started it. He drove over, did up till there, and then we switched. Uh, everybody froze, and we ran the, the real actor. Oh, and that's cool. Out. Yeah. So this
1: was the last thing that we shot. And we okay. wrapped it at three yeah. o'clock in the morning, and it was a it was an unbelievable feat by Deborah. I remember afterwards, I said to Deborah, "You're a magician. I, know. <laughs> I don't know how you did that." Um, and also, and then she gave credit rightfully to to Marshall and to Paul yeah. and to Matt also, who was who captured a lot. Yeah, because
5: we had spent so much time trying to get the wides and and getting into it, and we had started. It was right at the very end for us of our day, and we'd already done. I think one very big scene and something else. So we were already starting running late coming into it. Um, but by the end, basically we had like 15 minutes left and the, the we had gotten all sort of the big stuff but we hadn't gotten the coverage. And the two operators, Paul and Matt, just put the camera on the shoulder, went handheld. Yeah. No rehearsal, no focus marks, just did it. Wow. And we were done in 15 minutes. That's amazing. It was amazing. Wow. I was sitting completely there
1: intuitive of like knowing who to get, who to follow. It, they saved that day. Yeah, they did. I thought, well, wow. we're not going to get it. And I don't know what that means. I don't know what's going to happen <laughs> to any yeah, of wow. us. And just standing at the monitors <laughs> thinking like, okay, <laughs> I don't see God, how physically possible. i had a dollar for every time I felt that yeah, on a yeah, set. Right. Yeah. Jesus. It's quite a feeling. Wanna, like, as this a director,
0: was... how do you approach that when, when you're on? Because in TV, we talk about it on the podcast all the time. There's never enough time mm-hmm. to do to, to get what needs to get done. How do you deal with that as a, as a, as a filmmaker oh, okay. when you realize, uh-oh, uh, we've got this amount of time, we're an hour behind, how do you approach that? Do you have a, like a tactical approach as far as like, you know, analyzing a list or, or of shots, or how do you approach that when that comes up, which I'm sure it inevitably does?
5: Um, basically you just, I think you start to prioritize and so you combine as much coverage or shots as you can so you try to simplify it and for me it's like you just go for the stuff that's really important, you know, like, I mean clearly sort of the introduction of that space because, you know, worse comes to worse, if you leave a piece of coverage that shoots into a wall, that can probably get picked up if really need be, but you can't get six guys in an explode a crash, and and all that thing, it's a humongous thing to redo. Um, so you start just sort of prioritizing what are the most important things to, to get out, you know, get out of the
4: scene with. Yeah,
6: that's
0: good
4: advice. Do you, do you do you what do you do as a director? Do you shot list or do you draw storyboards or how do you how do you what is your preparation? There?
5: Um, it depends. For the the montage, it was completely storyboarded. Gotcha. uh Gotcha. You know what I mean? I, and, and it got refined. Like I had actually. I had the good fortune actually to get the script a few days before I even came in for prep, so I had actually storyboarded that sequence because in some ways this wow. was two episodes for me. It was the montage and then the rest. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah really so was. I kind well. of had I kind of divided it like it was two episodes. Yeah. Um, so I I had really dialed in sort of the storyboarding on that. Um, but for the when it's not something so precise, or it's not VFX yeah. heavy, or it's not action, then I'll just usually I'll just sort of shot list That's and, and know sort of you know yeah. th- I know I'm getting this you know here's the angles here's yeah. th- on the overall map.
4: Do you storeboard it yourself or do you draw it yourself? I do with good. little stick figures. Nice, <laughs> good job. Um, one good of the job. things with
5: TV is sometimes it's just so you know sometimes I'll on other shows I'll have time to get it done, but yeah. sometimes it's so quick yeah. and this um, and one of the biggest challenges I usually face is that the script is changing, right. so this was extremely lovely to not have a script that kept changing. Because I think the first script I got was very close to the last script, um, which almost never happens for me.
1: Good, we That's try to do that work ahead of time. Thanks yeah. to you guys. And well, that just it, it, thanks to
4: Sony and AMC for giving us enough lead time, right? You and,
3: you know, I, I think this is an example of why you know this—the extra time we have for writing actually pays off in production because we're not we're not switching things up uh, for production and. So I, I'd advocate it for every show, get it, get them, get them written, and make, be happy with your scripts, and then you'll be happier. You, I mean, it saves. I don't know. As a director, it saves days, of and then also, I, I don't know. Well, you, you're a real director, so you can know how to think <laughs> on your feet. I, I'm a sometime director, and my, I, the thing that I find most disturbing is when I have to totally change my ideas yeah. because. Yeah. Of some new new element, and I, I can't imagine having the script shift. Uh, so anyway, that's
0: another that's another story that we'll talk we'll talk about some other time. I, having I, having I, cut three episodes that you directed, Peter, I just want to tell the listeners that Peter's being very modest. Peter's an excellent director, and he well. thinks on his feet very well. well i just okay. want to put my two cents i'm also there. i'm also neurotic which may you know anyway that's whatever <laughs> no, i think I was, it's an excellent i was going to say
1: earlier he has i agree hair. <laughs> well one of he that's has true. beautiful hair it's the hair
3: the hair the hair gets me gets me a lot i'm okay. a little
1: jealous <laughs> <laughs> you know i get attention for my hair but this hair his peter's no hair you have is really, excellent
3: <laughs> but no. there's all there's only good hair around this table right <laughs>
1: <laughs> now. yeah there yeah. is there's a lot of good actually Joey, there joey's, really is joey's hair joey's
3: hair is not to be underestimated it's true. and chris's hair is possibly it is chris Has the greatest hair in how in in, certainly in post
0: production. It's it's a wig, as we've discussed, and um, And on the
1: set, Deborah got a lot of compliments on Deborah's hair. More importantly, though, I'm just back to the being under the gun at the last minute at three o'clock in the morning during a very, very important sequence in the last shots of the night. I just want to say, no one yelled, no one snapped, every single person was respectful. And efficient and calm. And Deborah was totally unflappable. You if you had just shown up on the set, you wouldn't have known that this was kind wow. of a freak out moment. I Marshall was so calm. I just I was in awe of of how well everybody treated each other. And because of that the, the, because the collaboration was so respectful and smooth I feel like that's why we were able to accomplish it as well
2: and the yeah. first half of the day was a complicated scene at Schweikert and Coakley. Yeah. it's not like the first it, they, half it, of the day it was some whole
6: that was the
5: scene between it was a scene between Ray uh and and Bob at the right the oh, big yeah. scene sort of at the yeah. end Ooh. and that was just performance driven but it it, it had definitely taken some time, so we were kind of running yeah. into and the you know, other that one. Oh, wow. That scene has um,
3: one of my favorite moments in the yeah. episode because we talk—we're talking a lot, a lot about technical things in this this uh, episode of the podcast. But there is this moment that you and Ray and Bob and all of you guys created together when uh, Jimmy pitches this scheme about uh, about getting a cop oh, drunk. I love this moment, and then yeah. Kim considers; she goes. She leans back on the couch and she takes. She, she's taking it she's all in. She's taking it all in. She's thinking, and you take just the right. She takes exactly the right amount, and you're leaning forward. To try, what is her response going to be? And and you just you follow her. You follow her process, every beat of it. It's so beautifully in done. Water. Yeah. It's so beautifully done. Uh, and it, and it, that that to me, you know, we talk a lot about anamorphic lenses and things like that. And I, I have a love of all, all the all the every aspect of filmmaking but that to me is movie true movie magic yeah. because you're you're with the character and you're with her every beat of it and it's also I'm proud of it too because I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of filmmakers who would have skipped over that that beat uh, and I think the fact moment. the fact that, that that Ray knew and you gave her the support to know that she could take that time that she needed and that the scene would play, uh, I'm really proud of it.
2: There's so much going on in her head. You can see so much of it. And I think you would assume that character, hearing all the stuff Jimmy's been up to that he hasn't shared with her, (laughs) her head would just fly off, and she would just be furious and be castigating him. And instead, she's so solutions-oriented that you can tell she's still upset. And and really disappointed, justifiably so, yeah. very oh, yeah. justifiably oh, yeah. so. But yeah. still, she's like, "What's next? And, so, you know, how yeah, do I get yeah. through this?" And yeah. you know,
3: and I, I don't want to pull the curtain back over something I shouldn't, but I also say that we we omitted a lot of dialogue in that scene. That uh, great dialogue that Allison wrote and that the actors performed really well. That we just found wasn't necessary because the these performances are so strong uh, that we, there was a certain amount. I, I think we had a certain amount of throat clearing, uh, or, or things that we felt had to be said between them. Yes. And it turned out once we watched the scene we were cutting, we it, a lot of those pieces of dialogue fell away, and I, I don't blame us at all because you can't always tell. You can't always tell on the page what's gonna what's gonna be the right way to play these moments. And uh, so this was this was a. It's always a learning experience.
1: Yeah, that scene is finessed so beautifully in the editing. by like
3: Skip Skip. Skip McDonald. Skip did um, an amazing job cutting this one. Amazing,
0: yeah. uh, Well, I know we're gonna run out of time because we're getting the high sign to wrap it up. But uh, we, I know we've barely. There's so many things we haven't talked about, like Gus and Dr. Bruckner and Hector and that. That stuff oh. so the interesting. Sandwich
2: assault. The people that oh came out gosh. of the street.
0: Office <laughs> oh, scene. Yeah, that, that,
1: was that was a tough one
4: too. That Tell them about that. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
5: We were we were shooting. We were in a sort of a vacant lot. I don't know exactly where we were. Known, it was ninety we, degrees. It was, uh, and we were shooting uh, Jimmy and Huel, um, kind of all the stuff around the van and the and the selling the phones, and we're doing this wide shot, and then all of a sudden, I in the back of the shot, I started to see two people rise from the ground, and I'm, and I, you know, my immediate response is, why are they in my shot? <laughs> They're not in my shot. <laughs> and then it, it turned out to be two, uh, I mean, two, two people just like just who were
1: living
6: or
5: sleeping. Yeah, I think it was two yeah. homeless people that were basically sort of living under the bridge, which was quite sad, but we went over to look, and they had, but they had just come, it was just amazing. Like, they were living in sort they of a grave, underground. No, they no, was like a manhole was, cover, it was like, wasn't Yeah, it,
0: it was yeah, like an electrical.
1: Was, I showed it to one of the editors the other night, and he said, oh, that's like an an electrical. Like a service tunnel or yes, something. Yes, exactly. So yeah. where, where
4: there's a lot of high voltage and you probably should not be living. Yeah.
1: Probably not. They, they had blankets not. down there.
4: Like food. a nest.
0: Yeah, basically. a nest, exactly. You yeah. often get a
2: bogey. Which we, we call them in a shot, you know, somebody that you don't expect or anticipate walking into your frame. But this had to be the most unusual bogey situation. Oh my gosh, it's crazy! Yeah. It's
0: such a, and 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 you can see it at, by the end of the shot. Uh, one of the other actors is like, "I'm sorry, I'm I'm kind of distracted." He's like, "Oh, what by those people who just came out of the ground?" Yeah. it's oh. it's it's really wild. Well, as right. as as we wrap it up, I I. Uh, I just, I'm, I'm so interested in in knowing where Kim's head is at. I'm sure everybody else is too. Watching, well, just, where the hell I mean, is Jimmy's head at yeah, too? Well, well, at yeah, well, sure. I mean, yeah. it, we've seen him do this thing where he torpedoes good things in his life, yeah. and he he does it repeatedly in this episode. Whether it's at the work party or it's going and revealing that he's had this whole secret life that yeah. his girlfriend that he lives with doesn't know about, and and he's begging her to help him with something that and kind of asking her to do something illegal. And she says, look, I'll do it my way. You, you know, I, I'm let, you got to back the legal way. And he says, well, I'll do it my I'll do my thing. You do your thing. And then we kind of close on Ray or on, on, on Kim having an idea, buying a bunch of art supplies. Yeah. And, you know, we don't know. What's going on? And I think— uh... I'll tell you,
3: Chris, one of the most gratifying things for me—my my family comes to watch these mixes. Uh, my, 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 my wife and my daughter come in—my uh, my 18-year-old daughter come in and have been watching the mix playbacks. And they don't really know that much about the show, what's going to happen. Uh, I don't really talk about what's going to happen. I sometimes will say, "Well, God my dad, Deborah Chow did an amazing job," or something like that. But uh, they won't really hear the details. And as the, as soon as I got home from the, the the playback, they were they were all saying, "What?" And also, uh, my daughter's friend was there too. Uh, they were all saying, "What is Kim going to do with those office supplies? <laughs> what is her idea?" And, and boy, I hope the audience back at home is asking that same question because I, I have to say, what Kim's plan is very rewarding to me. Yes. I quite I really love what happens in the next episode. What her I- her
0: idea I think is kind of inspired. Are you saying we're going to Follow up on that in the next episode. I, I, we might very well. Oh boy! Well, I can't <laughs> wait to find out uh, how you guys feel about it. It's uh, the
1: classic office supplies cliffhanger. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, I think that's yeah. first it's from film school.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you learn that. It's it's kind of it's a two hundred level. It's your sophomore year. You're really getting into the swing of it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah. Well, thank you guys for listening, and thank you Allison and Deborah and Melissa for coming on and sharing your stories from the set and from this 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 beautiful episode. And uh, thank you for writing and directing this beautiful episode that, uh, as we made me cry. Just thinking about how it made me cry. That's, I maybe I'm going through my own stuff. I don't know. But, <laughs> no, you but, you but, gotta um, butch it up, man. <laughs> that's right. yeah. I, I liked was, it, Chris. Oh, shit, I don't cry. What? Who? Who nah, that was great. Um, and uh, thank you, Peter and Vince, as always, for for you know creating this show. And uh, thank you, Joey, for making this possible. Uh, thank you, Mike Berman Trout, for all your information. You
5: get it, baby. Uh,
0: and thank you, Chris Sullivan, for no reason in particular. And, again, thank all of you. Uh, f- and uh, we miss you, Kelly. And the way we end every episode is we have uh, somebody do their best kind of Bob Odenkirk, uh, better call Saul, and... Uh, Debra, no way. <laughs> I think I think Debra is no agreeing I'm on that it, the other side of the camera. I, I think, think maybe Allison, this see, is that's the direct the director's yeah. instinct Allison. is, hey, to, is to. Have I had
4: two people able- do it simultaneously, yeah,
0: never have. maybe a duet.
3: Oh. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, Peter. Oh, yeah,
3: yeah. Okay. I, I, if, if, if I'll sure, do it. Absolutely. If Peter Absolutely. Okay. with Vin- All right. With this all right. I'm I'm right. At, okay. right.
1: No, I don't no, want to make Deborah do it because okay. you know what? <laughs> she really doesn't want to. And and also, yes, <laughs> we
3: want we we like we want Deborah to want to come back. Right. So it <laughs> can't right. all fall apart <laughs> That's all on the podcast.
1: You can do it by yourself. You'll kill it. All right. I wish I had been able to rehearse, but I guess technically I could rehearse because you could use my second take. That's true. Okay. All right. Better Call Saul. Yay! Yay!